You are now tuned in to the Dimensions of Success podcast, where we define success and we don't let success define us. Welcome back, Dimension Crew. I am coming at you on a Monday. I know it's not Sunday, but anyway, it's Misha Monday, okay? Mimi Monday. We're going to make it work. The Shiznit is here. It's still happening. This is still the place to be. If you are new here, welcome, beloved. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Actually, I know you're going to enjoy this podcast. (laughs) So... Today, I have the pleasure of bringing to you Brianca Hardy. Brianca is such a humorous woman of God. Yes, I said it, woman of God. So in today's episode, if you have a religious preference, we will be talking about God. Brianca has brought her purpose and her attitude and her naturalista-ness, if that's even a word, all to... Um, what she's doing as a minister and as Ministry Bay, I've named her Ministry Bay. So, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Welcome to the show, Brianca. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited and I'm proud of you. Let me just start off by saying that I am so proud of you and I just can't wait to see where this is going to take you. This is so awesome and cool. So I'm happy to be a part of it and I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. Look at you being sweet. Don't butter me up now before we get started. Right. Before we get started, it might make me act up a little bit. It's okay. Uh, I really wanted to bring you on the show because I feel like the culture that we are in right now is surrounding hashtags. Mm. And uh, we have, you know, Teacher Bay and Nurse Bay. So I was like, we need Ministry Bay. We need Mm. somebody to come and talk to us from that side of the house. And I have followed you on social media and just watched from the corners, you know, just browse from the corners. But I'm also really proud of what you are doing as well. So I wanted to be able to share that dimension of success with my listeners, because I think that what you're doing is really powerful and impactful for a lot of people. And so I want to talk about a little bit of how you got there. So I feel like the other hashtags I mentioned they all have a, a defined path curriculum. Um, you know, you kind of choose them. But I think with ministry, and this is just my opinion, my opinion, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like it, it, it chooses you. You don't mm-hmm. really choose it. So can you tell me how you got started and what were you doing before you decided that this is what you wanted to do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, great question. You hit the nail on the head. Ministry definitely does choose you. Um, When I was in college, I went to the University of Alabama. And I my freshman year, I went not knowing what I wanted to major in. So I went in undecided. And um, so I just remember being my freshman year being on the phone with one of my friends and he was like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I just know I want to encourage girls to let them know that there's another way. Had no idea what I was meaning by that, that other way. I just wanted to be a voice and I would see myself speaking to them. Um, So over time, I ended up, you know, knowing what I was going to major in and it ended up being communication studies. And my concentration was just that public speaking 
And so after I graduated from college, I began to play with this idea a little bit more of, you know, speaking. And in college, I had no idea. I I knew that Christian and faith was going to be a part of my speaking, but it honestly wasn't going to be a big deal about God. It was just going to be, you know, encouraging girls. Um, women weren't even a part of the picture at that time, just encouraging young girls. And, you know, I mentioned some few things about the Bible because I was I am a Christian, but it wasn't going to be heavy. Um, and it, like I said, it wasn't until after college. I begin to um, at my church that I was a part of, I teach taught dance and I was able to see my influence in these young girls life with dance and how it wasn't they would come to practice and would start off with dance, but it would end up me ministering to them about um, not quitting and giving up and building up their self-esteem because of a bad relationship they were in or something like that. And so that really motivated me to kind of tap into creating my own, I guess, realm um, that no one was going to hand me a stage and no one was going to hand me an organization. So I kind of had to create that on my own. And I just began to write the vision and make it plain. So I would literally like write in my journal of I want to teach um, these girls from this age and this will be the name of the organization and all this this stuff. And over time. I got the confidence to do my first event and I did my first event. And honestly, although my target market at the time were young girls, teen girls, most of my audience were women. And after that first event, the women of the, of the mothers of the teen girls that they brought, they said, I know this was for teen girls, but this helped me. Your message helped me. And so that's honestly how the, my organization nonprofit Dancing in the Rain Ministries um, came an organization, not just for teen girls, but women. Um, so it was definitely God incorporated himself into my vision. And he said, yeah, you, you think that you just want to be a motivational speaker, but I want you to uh, motivate people with my word and solely my word. So it definitely fell into my lap, but um, I'm so thankful for it because I'm never looking back. Ministry is me all day. That's why you're ministry bay now. <laughs> you might as well own it. You might I'm well. owning it. I'm owning it. I like that hashtag. You might as well own it. And now you've been able to incorporate dance, your public speaking, and being inspirational to women into your nonprofit, yeah. Dance in the Rain Ministries. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I looked into a nonprofit at one point because I'm very, very ambitious. And I also love the idea of empowering women and targeting as you talked about talking to your target audience and I've always had a a soft spot for single moms mm. didn't know I was going to be one but the gag is God said come so, on now that part <laughs> we're here okay <laughs> so I might need to revisit that vision right let me know mm-hmm. but um honey I looked into it um you know how we get on the internet if you get sick and they say like, don't read the internet because <laughs> you're going to have, you know, <laughs> yes. pockets or something, you know, <laughs> something crazy. There was so much information. I felt like I needed a lawyer. I felt like I needed to write these certain, certain clauses in there to protect me. Uh, I was under the impression, well, nonprofit means you don't make any money. So mm-hmm. I need to be able to 
figure out how I'm going to support this vision. And I'm going to be honest and say, honey, I gave up. I gave (laughs) up. Okay. I gave up. I understand. (laughs) If you could give any advice to someone who's trying to start a nonprofit, what would it be? Absolutely. First, I want to speak to that, that latter part that you said of the realizing that this this nonprofit is going to have to be funded some way um that was i had i had my ministry had been i think 3 to 4 years and i kid you not i was supplying my ministry my ministry the it wasn't a nonprofit at that at that time it was you know just dancing in the rain ministries um and i the events I did two events a year. So I was going off donations from the few people and the ticket sales. But the main reason that the organization ran for three years is because of my bank account. And it got to one point where I was like, Lord, I'm not doing this no more. <laughs> There's an going to have to do their own. They're not coming out my bank account. They're going to have to get the umbrella. <laughs> Listen, I live, you hear me? Your own umbrella. Because at this point... <laughs> The only reason you dancing in the rain is because of my bank account. I can't, I can't supply no more. So, and this is me telling God, I like almost disowned the organization he had given me. I act like I didn't even know who dancing in the rain was. And, <laughs> and so it was in that year where he was like, you don't have to do this on your own. I never told you that you had to supply it and so I began to go on that search of the nonprofit, and just like you I went to an account and he gave me like a high figure and I was like eh, no uh-uh. it's not gonna happen but I will tell you this there are people out there who are um, almost like nonprofit strategist coach and they will help you get to where you need for literally half of the price now not to say that those things are needed such as the insurance for your organization and the policies and things of that nature those are definitely needed but what um a lot of times how the enemy i'll say will kind of use that against us and our own self-sabotaging thoughts will use that against us and we look at our resources and we say well we don't have that and i don't have a lawyer and so what those um lack it looks like a stop sign to us and we say okay because I do not have a lawyer stop I can't do that nonprofit because I do not have those resources stop I can't do that when there are people out there like that nonprofit um, strategist coach who I connected with and I'll definitely send you her information half of the price uh, helped me do a lot of the work and not only that helped me to be connected with people um, who um, were like grant writers and so I was able to get my own grant writing certificate and all that sort but it it's not as big as Google <laughs> makes it seem. Um, there are easy ways. So I would definitely encourage um, those who want to do a nonprofit, post something on your social media platform and say, hey, is there someone who can connect me with nonprofit? There is someone out there who's a coach, who's a strategist, who will do the, take away the hassle from you. Um, yes, it does cost money. It does cost money, but it's it's you don't have to have everything all at once. And I'll say it like that. You don't have to have everything all at once. Just get the most important stuff to be recognized. Get your state recognition 
in whatever state you're in. And then when you're ready, go to that next step to be um, nationally recognized. That's when you become that 501c3. So I will definitely hook you up. So because it's time to do what you're supposed to do, woman of God. So I will definitely connect you with the um, my nonprofit strategist coach. I definitely appreciate that, Brianka. And maybe we will be linking together in the future. Yes, honey. Because I don't need to stop because I got diagnosed by Google. We, <laughs> we all, all of you listening, you need to keep going. Keep <laughs> going. It is possible. Um, I love that you said that you don't have to have everything at one time. Because I also feel that that's a lot of what it's our thinking. It's, mm. it's, it's in within our mind that prevents us from getting started. And um, I recently started my, uh, restarted my faith journey. I've always known God, but you, you get, you go off to the left and you have oh, to yes. come back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like the, you said, right? And, but this, this is what happened. It, mm-hmm. Life happens and it brings you back. So, I know that in order for you to be who you've become today, you had to know, you know, what it is that God says that you are. So would you like to share a little bit about just who God says that we are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So who God says that we are, he says that we are a part of his royal priesthood. We are chosen Um, One thing that I really embrace about that um, for me, because I love being different, um, is embracing the uniqueness that we don't have to be like everyone, even in the church, even in the body of Christ, we don't have to be like the next Christian. Um, Long as we're following the guidelines that Christ has set for us as Christians, my my Christianity does not have to look like my next door neighbor. Um, And so God says that we are unique that we are royal, that we are chosen, that we are beautifully and wonderfully made, um, that we are the light and the salt of the world, that we are honestly dope. We're special. We're We're dope. We got the vibe that everybody's trying to hop on. We the supernatural kids on the block that everybody's going to this, these sages and these psychics, but they don't know that our God is a supernatural God that they, we, we're the crew that the sage people and the psychics are trying to get the secret from. We, we the cool kids on the block. And so we're all of that as believers. I receive it, and I hope everyone else listening did as well. I I definitely appreciate you for defining that, because I think that a big part of what helped me is to stop trying to define myself as what the world said that that I am, or Mm -hmm. what I should be, or the the models we see, right? The, the, The versions of success that, you see the end picture, but you don't see what those people have went through in order to get there. Exactly. And I think that by comparing, um, comparing and, and trying to build these images, because um, as I said before, it's such a technology, it's a technology culture. The kids are coming out with tablets. They being born with tablets. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that they come out and it's just like Apple iPad version mini. And then they just start. I, and, by the time they get big enough to talk, they know how to work it better than you. Exactly. That's just where we are now. <laughs> I've accepted it. But yeah. accepting that stuff to to define who we are is yeah. where some of the breakdown, I think, is happening. 
Absolutely. And I also want to add this about identity. One thing that I've discovered this year is that our identity is always evolving. Um, that who I was last year and how I thought last year, I'm not going to hold myself into that um, because there may have been some backwards thinking that I had just on last year, shoot, just on yesterday. And so my identity is always evolving. And because I, because I think better than I did on yesterday or better than I did on um, last year, it doesn't mean that I don't know who I am. It just means that I realize that I'm evolving. One thing um, about Christ is I realized that he has so many different parts of him. And so my identity, I have so many different parts of me. Christ is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is a um, provider. He is a comforter. He's all these various things. And guess what? I am too. I'm a seeker. I'm an avid reader. I'm a dancer. I'm different things as well. And so my, also my identity is different things as well. I'm, I'm up. I'm down. I'm cool. I'm energetic. That in and it's always evolving, and that's okay. Um, it's just important to embrace you evolving. I definitely agree. I think that there's a movement of optimism mm. that isn't based in being realistic. Mm-hmm. It's okay to go through those phases, but if you are down too long, or if you're not communicating the same way you used to, or if you're not doing the same things, like you said, it's almost as if I, you get confused about who you are, but mm-hmm. I think that's good to highlight that your identity is going to change based yes. off of where you are in your journey and, and where you are as a woman. Thank mm-hmm. God I ain't the same person I was. Come Jeez. on now. <laughs> Girl, you remember them ponytails with them hump bangs? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Delivered. Cause <laughs> the little hump with the little swoop bang with the, the fanned out ponytail. We thought we, thought we was flying. Yes. If he left us there, I don't know where we would be today. <laughs> a mess. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> well, we rough, thought we rough. were cute. We thought we, we thought were cute we were though. Cute. We did. And the Aeropostle shirts. Oh, yes. Aeropostle was my store, okay? Can you believe that there's, there's, they're like clothes. There's not even that many anymore. I'm like, I don't even hear that name anymore, but that was our store. It was a staple in the mall. It's (laughs) barely in any of the Any malls, yes. Anymore. Oh my. Okay, we went down every lane. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to hit on a point that you touched on about uniqueness. One thing that I love about you is that you have embraced your natural hair. Yes. Natural hair was a movement. (laughs) (laughs) And back then I didn't know, you know, the depth of, you know, representation that that was. But now I'm like, Brianca been wearing her natural (laughs) hair. We all just got on the natural hair train. It it just took off as a a movement. It just exploded. It 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 did as popular and now you know we're we're running away from chemicals and perms and all these different things so how what made you embrace your natural hair to start with or was it just something you just did um I think it was me kind of seeing like a few other women do it as well and then I was in a relationship and the guy I was with at the time he was like have you ever thought about that and I'm like I don't know. And I remember saying, well, I know that there was times where I used to be able to go a long time without perms and I would still be okay. Like it wasn't a problem for me. And I'm like, well, maybe if I extended a little bit longer, maybe I can see how it works. And so honestly, I almost felt like I fell into it. 
the natural journey. Um, but I embraced it so much. Um, I love the natural journey, loose natural. I'm now locked. So that's a whole new journey. Um, so I'm like pro natural, pro, pro natural, um, (laughs) (laughs) just embracing, um, the journey that loose natural and being locked, it, it takes you into, um, really just, finding out who you are and what you like and going against society norms. That was the biggest thing when I was loose natural that was so liberating to be this um, dark skinned girl having this big Afro, right. And not being concerned that, Oh, I don't have like a cute little part or I don't have, there was like, I got to a point where I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to have it all. Wow. And the reason I did that is because I saw another woman wear it so boldly and so beautiful. And I admire her in that moment and that confidence. And so I think it was me seeing other women as well that motivated me, which is why they say representation is good for the little girls. It's representation good for everyone because I was a full grown adult looking at another woman and saying, that sis is rocking that Afro with boldness, with confidence. I loved her stride. I loved how she dressed and it, it encouraged me and challenged me to do that same thing. So I am yes, pro natural journey. It is just liberating in itself. It brings freedom. It really does. You are pro pro natural. (laughs) (laughs) So how have you been enjoying your lock journey? What, what advantages do you feel it's had versus just being a loose natural oh girl it is amazing I should have been locked seven years ago it is amazing um of course the benefit of the reason I decided to be locked is because I hadn't gotten tired of the combing my hair and I got to do my hair on Sunday and all this I just got tired of that um and I had always said I was going to do locks but I just thought it was going to be later in life honestly when I got a little bit older but I thought why not now why, why would I wait for something that I say I want to do? Why would I put that off? Let me do it now. And so I said, why not now? And I did that. Um, and it, this journey has been amazing. I love playing with the different lock jewelries and the different hairstyles. And I've always been into head wraps, but it makes me more into head wraps. Um, embracing just the frizziness of it. I, I, um, in December, I will be one year lock. Um, and so, It's just been, I haven't really had an ugly phase as people would call it. I have embraced every part of it. Like from the day I got out of the chair and they weren't even locks. I was like, look at my locks. Like I was loving (laughs) everything about it. (laughs) They were curls. They were curls. And I was like, these are locks. These are locks. Don't tell me anything different. You had your lock shirt already. Yes. (laughs) You went out the chair with your lock shirt. With my lock shirt. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> ma'am you have many dimensions many dimensions we don't talked about hair we have <laughs> talked about your nonprofit. the last one that we definitely need to talk about is you have authored a book ma'am oh yes <laughs> can you tell us about your book and what was the inspiration behind it yes okay now that was a I had no intentions of being an author at this time. And let me just stop for a moment and say, we have got to, and I'm 
talking about myself even right now, have got to stop limiting ourselves and putting our own plans and timelines when God has, <laughs> he, we want things to come later a lot of times and he's like, it can be now, right? It, I can bring this thing now. And that's literally what my book was. Um, October 20, what year are we in? 21. So October 2020 was COVID a year. Got us forgiven. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 20. Yeah. Right. Okay. We're still in COVID. We it's still, still right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness, it's so weak. Okay. So October 2020 was a year of, um, or just a month. I woke up literally the first day of October and I said, this is going to be a month of wholeness for me. Did not know what I was doing, but I was actually prophesying to myself and wholeness for me. God showed me in that month that wholeness can sometimes be broken before you're whole. And so I began to go on this journey with God. I would meditate in the morning, have me a scripture, um, sit quietly with God. And he would give me like these different scriptures that kind of had a base point of seeking him and finding him and all this different stuff um and I went to this trip with my friend it was a conference and for whatever reason I was it was a awesome conference just what I needed but I felt a little heavy in the conference and this was the portion of being broken while also God leading me on a journey of wholeness and I began we had got back to the hotel and I just began to write I just begin to write and just write different things of just this journey of wholeness and coming into um, who God wants us to be. And in those moments, God would like put a vision before my eyes and he would take me back to a place where I actually had thought I had already been healed from Um, moments in my childhood, which I thought I had outgrown or even things. I'll tell you this things that I had forgotten had happened to me that were not good things got brought back to my memory. And he was like, I'm bringing this to your memory at this time because I want you to heal from this place. And so guess what? He brought that to the forefront, but that broke me. I had tears in my eyes as I'm writing. And um, but he brought that to the forefront so that I could heal from those areas. And over time, he just like in a short amount of time, I wrote that book. It was it's called. Let me say this. The book is called Holy Holy. It's a um, seven day devotional to encourage um, men and women to walk in their holiness. H-O-L-Y. Um, and wholeness, breaking down W-H-O-L-L-Y, so holy, holy, um, walking their holiness and wholeness in God and taking you on a journey with that. And I probably wrote that book in less than two weeks because that's just how much God had downpoured in me of that you have to forgive yourself and you have to um, understand that sometimes you're going to have to get broken to be healed. And he was telling me this is that um, in 20, in that month of October, 2020, he told me that the year coming for it, which is now 2021, he said that he was going to have to come into my attic. And what he meant about that was my attic was my heart. And you know, a lot of times in our, the reason he called the attic, the heart, is because in our attics, we store things up. We put things there that we probably haven't seen two years, right? We put things there and there get cobwebs and all this stuff. Well, guess what? In my attic, in my heart, I had a lot of cobwebs. I had a lot of boxes, a lot of stored up hate, anger, frustration, tears, rage. All of that stuff was stored up. But he had to break 
up the lock that I put on my attic. And he said, I'm coming into this attic to heal it, but I have to break the lock that you, Brianka, put on it. And so he just led me on this journey of holiness and wholeness. And the beauty about it is that it's always, it's just that it's a journey. It's never, I'm still to this day, that book was written a year ago. I'm still to this day on a journey of holiness and wholeness. That holiness is not this, it's holiness wasn't just about um, sleeping, sleeping around. Like I always thought in the church, oh, when they, when they talk about purity, it's just that. No, holiness is being found in God and being secured in his holiness that he, because he is pure, I can be pure. That holiness is just not about who I sleep with or who I don't sleep with. Holiness is about my heart being holy, that I can forgive those people who hurt me because they did hurt me. They did do wrong. They did leave me hanging. They did talk about me. They did all of that. But holiness came in when I allowed him to come in. I need to clean out my attic now. (laughs) (laughs) I've been cleaning it out and, and, and I feel that I feel that the areas that I've recognized for myself, I know I didn't do that by myself. Mm. There's definitely a whole lot of hurt in that attic, whole lot of codependency. Come on now. <laughs> whole lot of not knowing who I am, therefore letting other people determine my work. Yes, my work. yes. A whole lot of disappointment. Mm-hmm. And, and there comes a point where you just stop expecting. You don't want to hope for things. You don't mm-hmm. want to expect good things to happen to you because you've had so many bad experiences Mm -hmm. yep and none of that should be in my attic but it's up there it's up there and that's the truth of it that's the truth of it and I think a lot of times just talking it since you know since I'm ministry bay let me talk about the church real quick I think come on the girl we here for it right I think a lot of times in the church um we don't talk about those things that are really, um, and, and I say in the church as a whole, I, I'm thankful, honestly, the church, literally the physical building that I'm a part of, we do talk about this stuff, but I think the church as the whole, we don't talk about those things that are hidden. Listen, I was a minister, uh, ordained prophet, uh, having dealing with anger. Come on. Can we talk about that? That I am yes. the one that gets at, get in front of the pulpit telling people to come to the altar, but I'm also in my own, I've got to forgive some people that did me wrong, that manipulated me, that played me. And so um, just being able to be honest and say, this is my truth. I am trying to get to that place of holiness and wholeness and that it is a journey for me, that I am steadily evolving. Um, I'm steadily forgiving. I'll, um, there was, I did an event this year and the event was um, called it's um regular name is called at the root but each year I do like a different subject and so this year was um breaking inner vows and birthing inner healing and so this is a big event about going to the root of your heart and digging out those things that you may have planted there maybe mama daddy other things other people have planted in your heart and I'm teaching I'm getting ready to minister this event but literally that week 
each night, God gave me three different dreams of three different people I needed to forgive before I have to go and minister. So I just want people to be aware of that the ministers and the the different pastors and all this stuff that God, just as the word is going forth to you all, that God is dealing with us. Now it's up to the minister and the pastor, whoever to accept that and embrace that. But definitely God is working in all of us. And there is a truth of uh, a level of unforgiveness and all these different baggages that we have in our heart that just really God needs to deal with us as well. That was so enlightening. I, I really think that what you just did, acknowledging in the military, we call it the why. It's, mm. it's, it's why you do things. Uh, it also is the underlying, you know, some of it's really getting to the core of who you are yourself. And I think that the church is a powerful, a powerful vehicle. Uh, the way that it's used, the way that it brings people together. But I do think that there is an area that's lacking because we're not showing people who we are behind closed doors. Exactly. And that's allowing people to go away from the church because they look and they see of someone in the pulpit who hasn't spoken to their brother in five years. Hmm. And, but you want me to follow you or someone who's not, you know, in, in public, you know, they're, they're publicly saying certain things about peace and wholeness. But when you go to their house, every other word is, you know, and they ain't got no peace. They ain't got no peace. Their children don't got no peace. peace. I mean, there's these situations that you see and the, the, the tone of, that conversation always comes back to being hypocritical. We want to quickly call people in the church hypocritical, but I think that bringing awareness to that, we all still people. Yes. You know, no no one is going to be um no one is going to be showing you their 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 baggage all the time. Nobody Come wants to now. show anybody their baggage. That's your 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 shame and your pain and in, in therapy I learned that that sometimes you have levels of trust with people yes and the people that get to your inner circle that that's the circle that's closest to you those are the people that know your shame and your pain mm-hmm. everybody ain't made to know your shame and your pain that they, they have different levels some people are just resources some people just associates some people just acquaintances but I think expecting people to show you their shame and their pain by and say oh well because you are Christian that's a really high expectation <laughs> Wow, that is so good. I love that. I love that breakdown. But that's so true. That really is a high expectation. It's too high. And I I feel like you also, by being a Christian and being in the public eye, you probably have experienced some scrutiny. Because anytime you're in the public eye, people think you're supposed to be dotting your T's, crossing your I's, and butting your toes on the right side all the time. Oh, honey, Yes. Yes. So how has that affected affected you, if at all? Oh, it's affected me big time. Um, And it's also because I haven't, I don't know if I've already said this, but I struggle with perfectionism. And so I, um, you mentioned therapy, I'm therapy as well, working through that. And um, so you have perfectionism on top of being in the church, having a title in the church. And so we know the church can sometimes have religious 
people and religious spirit. So you have perfectionism, which is actually a form of religious, religious spirit may not even be involved with this church, but thinking that you have to look a certain way and be a certain way. That's another word way to say religion or perfection. They're the same thing to me. And so you have someone struggling with perfectionism, feeling like they have to look a certain way. On top of being having this grand title in the church, now I have to double what I already thought that I had to be on my own self. And so that has definitely been a struggle for me. I oftentimes, once I had accepted my call, um, I actually did not accept the title, my first title of minister for a long time. Um, People, I was preaching and doing all this stuff, but I did not want people to call me a minister. And they were like, oh, you're a minister, you're a minister. They would put me on the flyer and say minister. I would literally call them up and say, hey, can you take off the minister and just put sister? Because I'm just not. And so I was (laughs) very adamant about that because I just did not want that level of eyes. I did not want that level of eyes. And another reason for people to judge me and talk about me and say, like you said, these T's and cross the cross these T's and dot these eyes. I just did not want that. And so when I finally came into accepting it, no longer running from it, I still had to work through my perfectionism on top of feeling like I, I had to be a perfect minister or a perfect prophet. No, like, that so it definitely was a struggle. Even now, there were maybe conversations where people will say something, and I'm like, I- I'm now learning to keep my mouth quiet and only speak when I feel led to. Um, so if you may, you may make a comment about this or that, I'm like, okay, I'm still gonna do <laughs> what right. I feel like doing. That if right. it's pleasing God, and you know, it's not going against God, because I have to understand that the conviction that God gives one person may not necessarily be the conviction that he gives me. So because you have that conviction, don't put the conviction that God put on you. Don't put it on me. And so um, it's definitely just working through. And I'll be honest, I'm still working through that. I struggle with perfectionism as well, but I have like a limited version. It's either I'm perfect or I'll do nothing. <laughs> and that is a sign of it. That is definitely a sign of it. <laughs> I am working through it as well. Um, with this, actually, this podcast, I put out my first recording. I am such a girl, a planner. I mean, I done bought the mic. I done got this iPad Pro. I'm like, I'm going I'm to make all these, but they're going to be beautiful. Put out my first recording. The audio was terrible. Um, <laughs> it was an up and down. Um, t- okay, so the message was good. The audio was okay. But in Misha's mind, the audio was terrible. Mm-hmm. Just like you told him to take mm-hmm. minister off of that. <laughs> yep. I'm like, I'm going to pull this recording down. <laughs> I'm going to pull it down. I'm going to put something else back up. They ain't going to take me seriously. They ain't going to think I care. You know, all these things going on. Like, I spent so much time on all this promo and I was making this stuff myself. Like, I'm going to pull it down. But I had to reach out to a, a mentor and I talked to her and she said, the message is still good. Mm. ain't pulling it down. The message is still good. You need to just if don't pull it back because you're embarrassed. That's so good. That don't is so good. You're embarrassed. And and that I, I feel like that that area, the therapy plus the, the mentorship. Yep. Um it, it's it's helped me to kind of battle that area because girls about to pull that recording back and re-record it and re-release it, but I felt like it wouldn't be authentic to my listeners that had already listened to it. 
for me to put something else out and be like, oh yeah, listen to this. I'm girl, I had this whole strategy. I was like, I'm going back to back like Drake. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> girl, I'm gonna let y'all hear this this one because it's better back to back. I, I had this whole strategy. She was like, girl, don't do that. I was like, you right. It ain't gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't gonna be right it's, but I'm just I'm just gonna leave it so I left it and I sat in it I sat in that I sat in that that little you know unsurety mm-hmm. but, but after that I was like you know what it doesn't have to be perfect if they if they're here for what they're supposed to be here for who wants to get the message gonna get it that's it <laughs> that's beautiful that is beautiful I love that I'm gonna apply that to life my life the message is good don't take it down Sometimes I try to hide with perfectionism. I used to try to hide my past and cover it all up on top of being a private person. And it's the truth is like, God's like, your message is good. We're not going to water ourselves down. Listen, you just ministered to me. I've been wanting to write this book, but I'm like, do I want people all in my business? Listen, write the book. I don't write know the them. book. I want them all in my Kool-Aid. I'm private. Hmm. Let me struggle behind the door. <laughs> <laughs> but I made this podcast because I feel like there's too much struggling behind doors. Mm. Too much struggling behind doors. And and it's 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 hurting people. It's 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 damaging people. It's damaging relationships it's damaging this generational wealth that everybody keeps talking about they want yes (laughs) because we're bottling stuff up we're bottling stuff up and then we're taking this stuff day to day throughout our lives our kids are seeing it our our friends are seeing it our family we're prideful yes we're so much into the I'm going to cut it off if it doesn't benefit me phase Mm -hmm. of the world I wish we would get out of that as well because conflict resolution it's not always yeah. cutting somebody off. <laughs> yes. But we're into vibes, you know. That's the thing now. Vibes. The vibe's oh, yeah. not good. You're not <laughs> you're not doing anything for me. I'm gonna cut you off. It could have been a conversation. <laughs> definitely. And that's definitely been an area that I've noticed myself in because my, my friends will tell you my cutoff game is strong. You, hear you me? better stop. <laughs> You better stop. You better start having some conversations with people. And I need to because honestly, that's just passive aggressive. Are you cutting people off? I think there comes an area, and and you probably like. Now I say don't do it, but okay, wait a minute now. There comes an area <laughs> within yourself where you know when it's time to let them go. That's true, and a you, conversation you, doesn't have to be had. Yeah. And a conversation doesn't have to be had when it's when it's that type of sticky, when it's that type of muddy waters. They just need to go. Yeah, but I think some things definitely a conversation needs to be had because every relationship uh, doesn't feel good, and I had to learn that the hard way. Like, how can I forgive this man? He didn't did up two things, hmm. but my girlfriend did the same thing, and I ain't talking to her no more. Come on! You know, I don't want to talk to her no more. She can't be redeemed. She can't come back. No Nothing. comeback. No forgiveness. No grace. Nothing. Mm-mm. I ain't rolled out the mat for her at all. Mm-mm. No olive branch. <laughs> the branch is burned, girl. So right. Those both are still relationships, though. But I know one is more intimate than the other. But the trust is built the same way. The love is built the same way. The communication has to happen. How can I have more grace in one and, and not in the other? Because I don't want conflict. Right. <laughs> not conflict that does that I don't feel like serve me. She ain't paying no bills. 
<laughs> right. And then when God comes back and he's like, okay, I need you to um, go and forgive and have that conversation. You're like, now? Now, Lord? You, you now? Uh-huh. And I look at her page on Instagram. She look okay. <laughs> <laughs> that part. I don't think we need to have this talk. She look like she's she blessed. She is blessed. She doing good with the assignment you gave her. Girl, I'm over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She looks she doing good. She's doing good. Brunch. (laughs) Outfit cute. Hair done. I like them shoes. Go, girl. Go. Because I ain't coming nowhere near you. Right. And the whole time, God is like, we do not care. Go we and apologize. Not. Yeah, we do not care. We do not care. <laughs> oh, my. Well, Brianka, I am going to up your enemy with asking you the magic question that I ask everybody. What makes Brianka feel successful? Ooh, what makes me feel successful? Hmm. Oh, can I be honest? Yes, Ugh. ma'am, please. <laughs> <laughs> I um I just a very transparent moment. I am figuring out what makes me successful. Um I I can say now in confidence as I'm still on this journey that what makes me feel successful is know that I'm walking in the purpose and plan and will of God for my life. That makes me feel successful. Um, but literally two weeks ago, I cried as I'm getting ready for church. And I was like, Lord, I just want to be normal. Like, I, I don't, you're giving me this life. And everybody getting it easy. And you want me to get it in the mud. I'm confused. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, but the reality is, is that God's plan for me is so much more successful than I could even think or imagine. And so I am embracing learning. I still cry. Come on, somebody. I, let me be honest. I still cried. Probably cried, what, this week, just a couple of days ago. Still <laughs> learning to embrace um, success. And that going back to our first question about uh, who are we or the earlier question about who we are in Christ and our identity and being unique, that success is unique as well. And that I can take the authority through Christ to define my own success, that I don't have to look at my somebody's Instagram or their Facebook and see how they're defining success. It doesn't have to compare. Now, we may have similar definitions, but everything that they define success doesn't have to be everything how I define success. And so um, I'm no longer looking to other people as my benchmark of success, but looking to what God has already written about me and my plans um, that he has for me a success and saying, okay, let me make sure I'm getting on track with your plan. Let me make sure I'm getting on track with your, yes, it's going to be hard. Yes. I'm gonna have to roll up my sleeves and I may cry a couple of times while doing it, but I will be successful in what he has created me to be. Wow. That's beautiful. I'm so proud of you. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. This was so fun. You all can have more of Brianka at I underscore dance in the rain on Instagram at Brianka Hardy. That's B-R-I-A-N-C-A-H-A-R-D-Y on Facebook and dancing in the rain ministries on Facebook. 
at Brianka Hardy's on Instagram, but I'm gonna leave it in the comments. So don't y'all don't y'all correct me. It's gonna be down there <laughs> in the episode in the episode description. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> I cannot let y'all go without giving you the power thought of the week. And this one is near and dear to my heart. So let's get into it. Growth, not change. Change requires you to actually remove or hinder or alter the circumstance. Growth requires you to stay still. Now, what does that mean? That means that all the time it's not meant for us to change something if it's not working. Sometimes it means you need to stand still and grow. But we don't want to grow because it's easier to just alter and change it. Say something now. It's easier to just point to something else as the cause of why whatever's happening keeps happening. So if this keeps happening, if this keeps happening, I need to change it. No, that's not what it's saying. It may be saying that it's keep, it keeps happening because you need to grow. It keeps happening because you don't have that skill set yet. It keeps happening because you don't have that communication yet. It keeps happening because you don't have that patience yet. It keeps happening because you don't know how to do what it is you're trying to do yet and you're trying to fake the funk and it ain't working. It keeps happening because you listen to TikTok as a therapist and TikTok is not your therapist. So I would like to put in your mind growth not change. Until next week, beloved.